Holy moly. I bet you guys thought I was going to cuss there, didn't you? This episode is phenomenal. These are the type of episodes where you really need three hours to just dive into the conversation and just get deep. We don't do that on this episode. We don't go three hours. I'm actually not positive how long we went. I think about an hour and a half. So we had a lot of great conversation and a lot of great conversation. That sounds so weird. Did I say that right? I don't know if I did or not. <laughs> mm. Anyway, I think you guys are going to enjoy this one. I sit down with Robert Washington. And let me rattle off a few things about Robert Washington. Rob Washington. Rob the speaker. He's just such a fantastic guy. I've actually known Rob for quite some time. Uh, we kind of crossed paths on the fighting scene. He would, at the, he was at the time, he was training at a different gym, but he'd come to our gym on Sundays. We'd have open sparring. Um, I've eaten a f more than a few clean right hands from uh, Rob, and it doesn't feel good. So we've sparred. And, uh, yeah, so you learn a lot about a person when you're sparring. And Rob is a very intense individual, and this is actually, which, well, first of all, which is not a bad thing. I love the intensity. I've been told I'm an intense individual, whatever the fuck that means. I don't know, but... He's just he's just very driven. He's very motivated, um, and for good reason. And and we'll we'll get into that on the podcast. But he was one guy that I was I've never really had an in depth conversation, which is why this podcasting shit is awesome. I'm sitting down with people, and we're putting our phones down, and we're just fucking talking. And it's so awesome to connect with all these people. I just. I just can't express enough gratitude um, for this journey, and uh, it's it's awesome. And I really appreciate you guys listening and going along for the ride. And no, I'm not emotional. My voice is just a little rough right now. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, Rob, yeah, we had uh, an, an excellent conversation. But, uh, yeah, let me tell you about Rob. So Rob is, if you can't tell, like I said, he is a retired professional fighter, okay, uh he's uh he's an author he's a speaker he's an entrepreneur uh he's a veteran father husband he holds multiple master's degrees uh rob is a go-getter he's a coach you know he's he's just uh he's an amazing individual and I'm just really glad I had the opportunity to sit down and talk with him. We'll definitely have him on again for sure. I feel like I've said that with a few different people. Maybe some of these people will come back. Maybe they won't. But he will for sure be back on the podcast because uh, we just scratched the surface of, uh, you know, the things that we could uh, really talk about. You know, there's just a, a ton of things. So I think you're really going to enjoy this one. As always, like, share, subscribe. Tell everybody, um, leave us a review. We really appreciate it. If you're an artist, send us your music, uh, band, everybody. If you make music, send it to us, um, adam at imposedwill.com. We'll get it featured on the uh, on the podcast. So, all right, folks, enjoy. We'll just do it that way. Okay. All right, so Robert Washington, <laughs> here we are. 
Dude, you have such a beautiful home. Thank you for, for having me here. Thanks, man. Thanks. So you are doing a lot of things, and um, it's extremely ab ab admirable. That's the word. There we go. The, <laughs> words, are, the words are coming this morning. Um, author, speaker, fucking former professional fighter, veteran, father, husband, mm -hmm. entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. What did I miss? <laughs> I miss? I miss some things. Um, that's pretty much, uh, that's, that's it. Yeah. That's yeah. It. There's some other little things in there that I really don't count. You hold multiple degrees. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nothing, nothing's come easy. No. Everything's no. come earned. Mm -hmm. <laughs> come earned. Everything's been earned. Yep. Yeah. It's, um, but you know, th those, those to me that I, I, those are things. And, and a lot of those things I chased because I was trying to find me and chasing those things helped me find me, you know? So I think, um, those things don't define me. Um, they help. They they help me define myself. So, I think they're ju they just titles, man. Once yeah. you achieve them, you know you you have a master's degree. Yeah, it's a title. <laughs> it sounds nice, to, like on the outside, mm -hmm. and then um, I, I'm sure you're kind of like me. It's like once you get something, it's mm -hmm. just like it's just a thing now. It's just a thing. And then it's just always looking for the next thing. It's, 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 it sits on the, it. It was like giving us something to chase to keep us going. We get it. Okay, what's the next thing I can chase? Yeah, yeah. Complacency is is like the enemy mm -hmm. um, of greatness. Mm -hmm. um, do you ever feel like, though, uh, that always searching for that next thing um, kind of takes away, like, like the joy of, of achievement? No. I, I, think, I think you have to... I think you have to be in that moment. You celebrate that moment, that accomplishment, but you keep going because it keeps you progressing. Like, if you don't search for the next thing, then what are you just going to dwell in that moment? Even good moments. I think we have to be in the moment, but we have to move. We have to continue to move. And I think we can get stagnant. We can get stuck if we if we just dwell. You know, I did this. I'm going to party two weeks straight because I got a master's degree. No. Yeah. <laughs> you wake up, you get back to work. And I think we get we can be we can get stuck. We can get there and we can get stuck cuz I mean what our ultimate goal is chasing greatness and you might not get it until you die. So you got to keep going. So. Yeah, yeah. Definitely want to um appreciate the moment and not celebrate too long. Yeah, no no definitely. And I I used to I'm a big celebrator. I I pat myself on the back all the time. I'm like, let's do a vacation. If I get a get a big business um accomplishment so yeah i you know it's, it's about balance for me now so nice do you have a daily like uh do you have like any sort of like uh daily practice that you that you do like do you journal do you have like a gratitude practice or um, no honestly what i do is i wake up in the morning i go to the gym put my headphones on and i watch material on um or I listen to audio book and then I'll, it'll stimulate my mind to come up with an idea. Yeah. I'll take that idea and I'll think about something in my personal life and I'll try to make a story out of it. And I, I've been doing this for a while. And what ha what happens is every conversation becomes a story. Yeah. And what happens in, 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 in that is we relate to stories. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm training myself to become a storyteller because... As a child, the first thing we was, our parents would come in, put us to sleep, and say, "What? Let me read you a story." It was like, "Oh, okay." Our mind, we get our attention just jumps on it. So, we want to be able to make that human connection with people through stories. So, 
and people say, why, Robert, why you post so much on Facebook? Because I'm practicing storytelling. I yeah. really want to be a master of telling these stories to help empower, inspire, and motivate people. So that's kind of what I do. I wake up, I go, I listen to an audio book or listen to some little speech or even a TEDx talk, and that stimulate my mind to come up with an idea. So it's like it's like your morning coffee. It kind of, it you kind of your passion wakes you up. That kind of motivates you, and then the story will inspire you to tell the story. So that kind of how it works for me. Yeah, yeah. Storytelling that is a it's a it's a very important skill to have. Mm-hmm. I mean, for thousands of years, that's mm-hmm. how information was passed mm-hmm. along was through story. And um, it's almost like a like a lost art, which is kind of coming back. That I, mm-hmm. I feel like that is one thing that is a kind of been a good thing with social. Now that I think mm-hmm. about it, because because marketing is essentially telling a story, telling a story. and there's a, there's it's so loud out there, yeah. like in the social mm-hmm. space. So if you want to gain any sort of audience, you have to have a compelling story. You have, you have to. to be able to communicate well. Yep. And, and, and even make a connection. Even big businesses, they still they they tell their story in data. Mm-hmm. So even data, like data, can tell a story. Oh yeah. So they do data analytics and they pull up all these data graphs and find out what's going on. It tells a story. Yeah. And then they translate that data story into words and message and video message. So big businesses are in it also. Yeah. And all the behind scenes re- work is is, is, is storytelling. Mm-hmm. So if you can master commu- and storytelling is communication. If we can master communications, I mean, communication is the key to all. Yeah. How, how do how do we uh, Facebook? I mean, the biggest communication platform in the, in the, in the world right now. Mm-hmm. And why is it so large? Because it's helping us communicate. We breaking barriers we was never been been able to break. So, I think when 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 you're thinking about leadership, when you think about personal development, self development, it all starts with communication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Storytelling, communication. Yeah. It's definitely a foundational piece for sure. For sure. So what, um, let's go back a little bit. What, what sparked kind of your interest and like what, what made you become a learner? Like for me, I, um, I didn't really appreciate like learning until probably even after I already had my undergraduate degree. Like I, uh, I worked as a, a third shift security guard and I was just <laughs> reading tons and tons mm. of books. And then that just like taught me how to learn. Mm. And then it just really sparked like I just I just appreciated learning even more at mm. that point and ever since then. Wow. Like what was that for you? Like when when did you like like man, like learning is where it's at and you learned how to learn. Well, I think what helped me become a learner was MMA. Because what mixed martial arts did to me, I needed I needed inspiration to keep going cuz mm-hmm. it's a tough sport. I mean, yeah. you cannot face BDN. So what it did, it motivated me to go seek inspiration, seek this energy from others that was putting out this good energy that I needed. You know, I needed that to keep going because it was a lot of times I wanted to quit. I would go and I would listen to a motivational video or read a book, you know, 10-minute toughness or something, and I was like, okay, I'm back. So that kind of sparked, okay, it's okay to learn. It's uh, it's good to learn. And then that started to evolve over time, and it became, okay, now where can I take this? Now I've learned all these lessons. And then life, I mean, just looking back at your life, Look how much you learn through experience and being able to act. Because I didn't, I didn't know I had all this experience until someone told me. And it was like one of the oddest per- people around. Like I mean, not oddest. Well, you wouldn't expect it, but I was, 
I was applying for, uh, I was casted for a television show okay. with T.I. It's playing right now. Um, what show? Grand Hustle. Okay. So I was I was two days from leaving for that show. And one of the executive producers, on my last interview, he said, Robert, you have a story that the world needs to hear. He's like, you've lived three lives. And this is the executive producer for Viacom. Oh, wow. Like, so, and uh, they canceled the show because some stuff happened with T.I. and his wife. But now it's re-earned. But when he told me that, he was like, man, you know what? I have a story. Mm -hmm. And I started going back into my story, and I started learning more about myself. So I think learning starts with not reading books. For me, you truly learn when you learn about yourself. And, I, you know, you learn your own experience. You learn about yourself. And then you can go learn, take other people's theories and relate them to your life, and then you can teach others. So my first step in learning was really you know, learning about me. I was motivated to seek learning, but when I st really started to tap into my abilities, I started to learn why was I acting the way I was acting, some of the dysfunctional qualities that I brought into my life that I took from my childhood. I started learning about these things. I was like, wow, you know what? I can help other people. Yeah. So. What, um, what, so uh, that's actually a good, that's a good time to segue. Um, talking about your life so let's let's start at the beginning a little bit because um I, i've actually never heard your whole story just okay. kind of kind of pieces here and there mm -hmm. um i know that it, it definitely wasn't an easy upbringing by by any sort like stretch of the imagination as far as like some of the things you're exposed uh -huh. to um so let's just let's just talk about that a little bit so um what i was i was i was born east st louis illinois um my mom uh was a she was married for a little bit uh, and her bo her husband at the time was a big drug dealer. his name was his name is Lewis he was a drug dealer big gang affiliation uh big drug dealer so at an early age I was exposed to a lot of trauma and we, we talked about this earlier a lot of hard trauma a lot of like you know him being my mom my mom waking up, you know, one day, I mean, her eye was almost hanging out of her head. You know, I've seen some, we've seen some stuff. I've seen my sister stab my, one of my other step, one of my, my other mom's boyfriends. I woke up, you know, pretty much with, like, I mean, literally, I woke up counting crack cocaine at, like, four years old on the dresser. Like, crack cocaine lined up, ready to sell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> drug drug dealers knocking on the door, like, hey, let me get my daily dose. Yeah, you don't think anything of it as nothing. a four-year-old. It was that's nothing. Just... But it was, it was the norm. Yeah, that's just normal It was the norm. Life. It was the norm. Like, oh, this Kids this are so malleable. This, this, is, this, is what, this, is what, this is what it's about. Like, being poor was the norm. Like, we didn't know we was poor. Mm -hmm. We didn't know that seasoned salt sandwiches wasn't healthy or the, or the, the government cheese, that shit wasn't good for you. You're like... We didn't know that. Well, you love getting that yeah, shit. Yeah, we loved it. It was it was good food, you know. Yeah. Uh, Cornflakes with water because we didn't have milk. I mean, <laughs> I've been through it all. I mean, it was just so we struggled. We mm -hmm. struggled. We struggled. We struggled, and we continued to struggle. Like it was no way out. We tried to move to New Orleans. We struggled even more, and we got worse, you know. So, um, eventually, you know, it was just for me. It was just I just got tired of struggling, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I joined them. I mean, I, before I even get, went to the military, I was in a high school. Um, I said, I'm going to go to wrestling. I need to I need to do something. I so, wanted to do something. Like, my mind was like, I was always the kid where everybody else was out there doing some bad things. Like, we, we did some bad stuff. Like, but I was always the lookout. 
Like, I always do. <laughs> keep the head on the swivel. Keep the head on the swivel. Everybody was doing stuff. I mean, they was robbing trains and stuff like that. I was, I was the lookout. I wasn't trying to get into it. I was like, I can't get in trouble. I can't get in trouble. <laughs> so everybody's perception of me, but Rob was this great boy. He don't get in trouble. I just didn't show it. I didn't uh, went out there. A little bit more sneaky. With I was it, a little huh? bit more sneaky with it. So I did. I did some bad stuff. I was. I wasn't a great, great child because it was the people I was around. Yeah. You know, you, you. It's easier to change your environment than to change a bad habit. And as long as you're in that environment, like I was in that environment, I created bad habits. Yeah. So the only thing that saved me, I think, was sports. Yeah. Was an outlet of sports, and also I had the nerves to do some more. I wanted. I didn't want to be poor. So in school, while everybody else was out and partying, I had a job. Uh, I had a job. I was wrestling. I worked a full-time job. I went to school. I financed my first car at, like, 16 years old. Oh, so, you know, everybody in school in 2001, every, I had a 19. In 2001, I had a 1997 Mercury Mystique. I had a 97 in 2001. So <laughs> shit. That, that tells you, like, I wasn't playing. They I was probably like, thought you were dealing. Man, they, they thought it was my mom's car. So oh, bro. Everybody thought it was my mom's car. But you know, then I just urged I just had this urge to do something. So wrestling helped me kinda get away because now I wasn't in that environment as much. Yeah. So now I can create bad habits and right. it helped me create better habits. It's mm -hmm. helped me start believing in myself. So wrestling kinda because I was I was always told I wasn't shit. I mean I was beat, man, I'm literally I got my ass beat in um East St. Louis. Yeah. Like my ass beat. Like no bullshit. I, when people talk about bullying, I think I was bullied the most. And the reason why I was bullied the most, because I never backed down. Oh. Most, I never backed down. I never. But I took a lot of beatings for it. Yeah. Why do you I think mean, that was? What do you think in you that was it just wouldn't allow you to back down to anybody? Well, I was kind of a smart ass. When guys would say something to me, I would say something back and stuff like that. I, you know, it was pain. Like, I wasn't afraid of pain. Most yeah. people fear pain. Like, what, what's going to happen? We gonna fight? I'm gonna lose. I'm gonna get my ass back up. <laughs> so <laughs> You're like, I ain't gonna I, die. I literally remember this one moment where this was this one kid. His name was uh, this kid. His name was Grandbaby. We was in East St. Louis, Illinois. I was on the handlebars of my um, I was on the handlebars of my cousin's my cousin's um, bike. We was riding back from the store, and this kid he was just been messing with me for a while, and I was like, man. There you go. Shit. I was like, hey, let's go the opposite way. And then I was like, no, nah, you know what? Let's go this way. So we rode up next to him. I was on the handlebars. It was raining. He jumped off the bike, and he stole on me. Boom. I hit the water. I got back up, <laughs> Got went home, act like nothing ever happened. It was nothing ever happened. I mean, he just picked on me. But that was just one incident that really stands out in my mind because I I never feared him. I was like, yeah. when, I, when I saw my bully, I went that way. Most people ran away. Yeah, I, I would probably. <laughs> you're like going towards him. I was going towards He's like, hey, I'm on these handlebars. And the crazy part about it, I rode next to him. My cousin was driving, riding the bike. I was on the handlebars. I didn't even get off the handlebars. I was like, what you going to do? <laughs> he stole on me. I hit the water. <laughs> I got back on the handlebars, went home. Didn't, I didn't say a word to my mom. Didn't say anything. I never once snitched. I never once, when I got called names, when I got picked on, I never once said anything when my when my when my sister stabbed my dad. I mean my my dad, my, my mom's boyfriend. I didn't say nothing. I went to school. I mean I used to, the trauma I seen at home. You know didn't say anything. Yeah. It was like man, it was it was it was in me. So, you know, 
I you, you kind of over time you kind of mask that trauma. You yeah. kind of put on the face. You start looking for outlets to try to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So I did that for a long time, and then I found the military, um, the military, and um, I got stationed overseas right away. So um, I went overseas and I was lonely. Oh my goodness, I was so lonely. I had never been away from my family ever in my life. So the first thing I was doing, I was, I was, I felt abandoned again because mm-hmm. my dad somewhat abandoned us. He was in the military. He didn't really check in on us. Um, so then I felt abandoned. So now I'm this little little boy who's dealing with all this just trauma uh, from my childhood. Now I'm going in the military. Right after 9-11. Yeah, so let's pause for a second. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to whenever you joined the military. Mm-hmm. So you were you were 18. Mm-hmm. What branch did you join? Navy. Navy? Mm-hmm. And then what, what motivated you to actually join the military? Honestly, uh, it was a, it was patriotism. And um, my friend got a big signing bonus. And I was trying He's to get like, that oh, check. Shit, I want that yeah. check, too. That he looks got nice. $25,000. Yeah, I, like, I remember oh, that, man. man. They were pushing those. Yeah, yeah. So he had got a $25,000 signing bonus. And I was like, man, you know what? I'm going to try to score high on the ass. But I didn't score high, high enough. I think I scored in the 50s. So I went in as an air traffic controller, but I didn't I didn't become an air traffic controller. So you went uh, in how long? You said this was how long after 9-11? So I actually joined. I actually went to boot camp two weeks after 9-11. Okay. Yeah, two weeks after 9-11. Okay. Where'd you get stationed? Um, so my first, I was in boot camp in Chicago. Yeah. Then I went to San Antonio for school. Then I my first duty station was Guam. Okay. And then I went back, I went to San Diego, and then I went back to Guam. I finished my tour in Guam. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, we got some of those details. So, sorry yeah. to interrupt no, your story there. No. But, yeah, so, yeah, so you're... You're you're in the military. You're getting shipped all over the place, mm-hmm. right? You've, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So for the folks listening, we're we're in we're in Robert's backyard here. It's a, we have a pool. It's beautiful out. It's a nice morning. His neighbor's over here cutting grass. So if you hear that, no worries. Um, but so you felt abandoned again, right? I mean, yeah. I can. I feel like we all kind of can feel like a certain level of like homesickness mm-hmm. whenever you know mm-hmm. when we're young like that when mm-hmm. we're traveling off mm-hmm. or even older people still feel mm-hmm. it so how was that how was that for you yeah it, so you're feeling was, abandoned it was tough because uh you know the work schedule we was going through because we were supporting um the mission the uh-huh. war in iraq yeah uh and because of some of the things i went through in the military was affecting my mili- mental state and then just having nobody around, you know, you got friends and, but you know, my 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 homeboys, you know, in in in, in the hood, those were my those those were my family. Mm-hmm. My mom worked, so you know that's for my family. So now I have to start building a new family. So I felt lonely. I felt abandoned. And when you when you when you feel like you need some, I think sometimes we are controlled by that need. So I was in need of people that I really cared about so um that's when I started seeking relationships yeah that tribe yeah seeking relationships and some of the relationships I was seeking because I was a needy person I was attracting needy people to me Mm -hmm. so I attracted some dysfunctional people and one of the dysfunctional people which was struggling at the time was my ex-wife yeah my kid's mom yeah so because I was and that's where when you're vulnerable and you need something you attract who you are, and I definitely attracted who I who I was at that yeah. time. I was this vulnerable kid, 
who was depressed, stressed out, everything. Mm-hmm. And I attracted someone who needed me. Yeah. And two needy people don't work out. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Especially when you're young like that and, like, you don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. And you're just trying to figure this shit out. And then, like, you just find this comfort in another person. And then, like... You kind of think you know who you are at that point, but really mm-hmm. you don't. You're just mm-hmm. you're just fucking going through some sort of motion. You don't you don't, you don't want to deal with yeah, exactly. You you just you don't want to you don't want to deal with your own shit. Yeah. So what happens is we don't want to deal with our own shit. Let me find a way to not deal with my shit. Yeah. And at the end of the day, there's no true way to vent on your own shit. There's no true way. People say, "Well, I can go to the gym and vent." No, you got to deal with your shit. You leave the gym, your 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 shit's still gonna be there. You yeah. got to deal with it. You cannot, you cannot run away from your shit. Yeah. And I continue to try relationships, sports, I mean anything, drinking, gambling, partying. I mean I did it all, you know. Yeah. <laughs> to try to to try to cope with my dysfunction, mm-hmm. and it, it just it made me even more dysfunctional. So you mentioned trauma earlier. Yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, we and we talked a little bit mm-hmm. before. So we, can you explain the the types of trauma to the folks listening? So I, I think it's two types of trauma, and there's soft trauma and there's hard trauma. So the hard trauma to me, and this is childhood trauma most of the time, the trauma that we go through as a child. The hard trauma is the is a is could be the verbal beatings, the uh, the mental I mean not the mental, the verbal beatdowns, the physical beatdowns, the you seeing your mom get beat, you seeing you know you being raped or sodomized or anything like that. That's hard trauma. That's actually physical trauma. Now, the soft trauma to me is more of the mental conditioning. So you see some of these parents, they try to live their life through their children. Yeah. They try to control their children. They try to manipulate their ch- children with love. Yeah. I love you, so why don't you do this for me? You know, I really want to see you go to college, you know, yeah. because I, I want you to do this. But they're living their life through their kids. So they're, they're teaching their kids to actually... Uh, to 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 not have opinion on their own, yeah. to not be a critical thinker, to be controlled by my parents' thoughts. So every time I come to think about something, I have to think about what would my mom think about it or something like that. So you teach your kids just the opposite of what they should be thinking, going out there and exploring the world. Yeah. So that's a way of manipulation and control. Yeah. So luckily, I only experienced one because my mom wasn't really around because she was working. So I wasn't controlled. So that's why... My brain, that's just why I feel like I'm so creative. That's why I was able to do the things I was because I didn't have the help. Yeah. Uh, now, if I was on the other end of spectrum, I think I wouldn't be that far in life. Yeah. So my part of trauma actually worked for me, I think. It made my mind life. stronger. It made my mind stronger because I've been through the trauma. Now, it made me stronger once I figured, when I became awareness that I was traumatized as a kid, yeah. that I had some shit that I had to deal with, a whole yeah. lot of shit in my book bag that I had to <laughs> take out that was holding me down. Once I became aware of that, then I went and started removing this stuff, started working on this stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, the soft trauma, I think, is it it can be just as deadly. You see some of these kids who come in, who who's, who's who who come from these affluent families. Oh yeah. These legacy families. Oh yeah. And they get all this stuff passed down to them, and then their easy. parents. Well, I was this person. I want you to be this person, whatever. And you be thinking them like they have a good life. These kids are dealing with the sa- almost the oh, same yeah. shit we're dealing with. 
Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like they have the money, but mm. just the 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 sheer amount of pressure, pressure. that's on them. Mm-hmm. It's like you have to go to this school, mm-hmm. and you have to be in in this mm-hmm. uh, social house or mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. You, you can't be yourself. This, you gotta get this job. Or I bet you also see it a lot in like divorced parent mm-hmm. or divorced families. I mean, you got parents who are like alienate, mm-hmm. um, you know, the other parent mm-hmm. like through the children, and mm-hmm. they'll just they'll exercise power mm-hmm. through the children and whatnot. Control. Yeah, it's just complete it's all control. control. Yeah, it's all man. control. You know the way people want to know how how to uh, how to control a person. You control a person by not controlling a person. I give you an example. When me and my wife first met. And we started dating. Uh, I was I was I was hanging out. I was partying. And she told me one thing, and it sticks to me to this day. She said, "Robert, you're a grown man. I can't control you, but if whatever you do, you got to live with your consequences. Yep. You have to live with your consequences. You got to deal with this shit for the rest of your life. Yep. And your kids gonna have to deal with the fact that you lost a good woman. That shit sticks to me this day. Yeah. So now, she she actually let go of the control. Now she's controlling me by Letting me know, like, this is real. You fuck up. You do some stupid shit. You're gone. You're accountable. You're gone. So it helped. She, she kept me accountable yeah. by, by by letting go of that control. Yeah. It, it Honestly, it worked out. It yeah. worked out really It worked out really good because, you know, I think a woman can help keep a man in his place, but yeah. not by controlling. We, we don't want to be controlled. You can't tell us what to do. can't tell us what to do. <laughs> no, <'cause> <laughs> <laughs> you would. You would. That's the fastest way to get some resistance. Try to tell someone what to do. You, you give them. A, you give them an indirect, a soft ultimatum without making threats or anything yeah. like that. Just like, okay, go do what you do. You know what's gonna happen. Yeah. You know, hey, I'm. You know, I'm not staying. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, wow, is it worth it? I mean, every choice has a consequence. Is it worth it? So then that plays. That little tape plays in the back of your head all yeah. the time, and it reminds you because, think about it, man. We. Men, we're always going to have thoughts. And thoughts are not a bad thing because people think negative. People think yeah. bad things. But what do you do with those thoughts? Yeah, I think it's. I think you should acknowledge those thoughts, look at those mm-hmm. thoughts. Maybe even just kind of like, oh, that's interesting. Like maybe why am I thinking that? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, what is that? Mm-hmm. But like, you're, like, I think it's important to understand like your thoughts are not you. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And it's okay to like – I think – Especially, and I've, I'm probably a fucking broken record, but especially here in like maybe like the Midwest, and maybe you see it in the South too. But like just the real conservative area, it's like people tend to think you should be a certain way, mm. and if you don't fit that mold, mm-hmm. then you can kind of feel some sort of this like outside judgment. Mm. It's just like so you can, so you try to like live your life to be like a particular way. Yeah. So and and that can cause trauma in mm. a way because it's just like well you feel bad thinking the way that you think yeah you know what i mean and honestly you start sounding like the people around you yeah so you start saying the things that you know they want to hear exactly and you're not being authentic you better not being authentic and if you know the greatest communicators in in life and 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 are are great because they communicate who they are all the time yeah and once you tap into that that's me talking about getting a job I'm starting a business, you know. Yeah. It's like it's easy. It's easy because now people want to help you because they know. I know exactly who he is. Mm-hmm. He's not going to show me a. He's not going to be fake one day. I know exactly who he is. He yeah. showed me his hand in the beginning, and and people appreciate that. It's extremely freeing mm-hmm. to uh, to realize who you are and just to be your authentic self. Man, society is it's tough out here now. It's tough. I mean, we live in a world right now. 
Where if my wife wanted to wear a thong swimsuit on, on Instagram, she'd be called a slut. And that's so weird. Isn't that fucking weird? She'd be called a slut. But look. Why? But honestly, but look, this is the same world. If my wife said the wrong thing at church, she'd be called a slut. Yeah. In full dress. Yeah. So you're going to be called a slut either no way. No matter what. <laughs> just, live, just live your authentic live, self. Be man. yourself. Yeah. And, and honestly, that's what. That's what I'm about, and people like, because my, <laughs> my wife does have some some, pic, some bikini pictures on Instagram and Facebook and things like that, and people like, and I know that, I don't, I don't, I don't Rob, care. you mean you let her do that? <laughs> How dare you let I your don't... wife flaunt herself when you're in the Caribbean, like, <laughs> Is this pe- people, what are you thinking? Yeah, that people just, if she's comfortable wearing it, I'm not going to control her. Yeah. Now, she might experience that experience with like, oh, I don't want to wear that no more because these guys, uh, these guys were, you know, just too pressing or something like that. Then she learned through her own experiences. Right. So we have to let people experience things. We cannot be trying to control these women. We mm-hmm. cannot. We yeah. got to let them tro- choose their life. My wife, she wants to do anything she wants to do. I let her do it. I say, okay, this is my advice. You do what you want to do. And she yeah. makes her own decision. But I think that control factor, when you talk about that soft, soft trauma, yeah, and you can you can actually. I mean, it's not just for kids. This is this is adults too. Oh yeah, adults too. And people aren't aware of manip- manipulation and control. Manipulation and control is powerful. Oh man, man, there's people out there that's been doing. Think about it. We I know women or men who's been controlling people for. Five decades. They got five decades experience of control. Fucking, <laughs> fucking savage with it. Savage, Jedi man. It's status, like Jedi. You like you and you. It's almost like it's like mind mind washing, mind brainwashing. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, crazy. It's, it's like expert level psychology. It like is. they didn't necessarily go to school, but mm-hmm. they understand the triggers mm-hmm. and what's going to you know get the outcome that exactly. they want. You know what exactly. I mean? Whether it's through exactly. their actions or their words. Exactly. If you study. If you study some of the worst people in the world, I think it would teach you so much. Oh yeah. Some of the worst, worst leaders. Look at look at fucking uh, Adolf Hitler. Yeah. How was fascinating he a- human being, dude? How was he able to inspire that many people to do what they did? Yeah. That his, is crazy. His actions were awful, but his ability is something to be. That is crazy. At, you know what I mean? And people are like, well, I want to learn from him because I want to do the same thing in a positive way. Yeah, you know, so I mean, yeah, to be able to move a whole, you know, just country <laughs> like that, like it's crazy. And we, yeah. so we have we should have that going on to this mm-hmm. day. Yeah, these these dictator leaders and 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 they're they're controlling and different things like that. But yeah. it's crazy. A lot of people they they almost automatically like they don't maybe consciously think this, but on a subconscious level, they automatically link love with control. It's like I love you, and so then and then all their actions become controlling. Mm. It's like I don't know if it's just like out of a fear or what is the driving motivator, but it's just like oh, but I love you. So it's like because I love you, I own you. It's mm. like there's this ownership for some reason. It's like wow. you're mine. Yeah. Y- you ever notice that in like in society, it's mm. just like oh, that's my girlfriend, that's my wife. It's mm. like it's like it's like yes in a way, but it's mm. like you don't own that person. You don't own that person by any stretch you're of not the imagination. By, 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 yeah, you're you're totally right. My my wife tells me that all the time, and I think. I, you know that's that's a tough one because each individual person has their own reason uh, for control. For me, it yeah. could have been a little bit of abandonment issues. Um, some people, um, I mean, lonely. I mean, abandonment issues. Um, 
insecurities. Yeah. Um, it's it's a lot of a lot of different things. Number that, of reasons there. It's an it's sure. a number of reasons why people can go. Um, in a controlling mind. Yeah. Or, or yeah. And a lot of times, they're not aware. It becomes so normal to them. Yeah. That they don't even know that they're doing this. Yeah. Was that difficult for you in like going from? Um, maybe an environment where there wasn't as much like structure and control, like growing up. I mean, I'm, I sure I'm sure like wrestling introduced that mm-hmm. to you. Um, but then you go into the military and like that's strict control, right? Yeah. I was I was actually I was actually intrigued by it a little bit. Yeah, just something different. It was something different. It was it was motivating. You know, you feel like you, your sense of accomplishment when your team, like when boot camp, you guys accomplished little things. Yeah, together it was like I finally did some i mean think about Mm -hmm. it we were never told we was we could do anything as a child i was never told anything when you grew up where i grew up shit nobody believed in you yeah no one even told you i mean you you didn't get hugs you didn't kisses you 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 wasn't told how to love you wasn't told how to accept love you wasn't told how to give love yeah that stuff wasn't taught so we had to learn these were learned behaviors the military taught me some of these these behaviors yeah and um so, so you know, just just that a, a sense of accomplishment, a sense of I can do something, I can mm-hmm. accomplish something. It's bigger than just high school or thing like that. I accomplish yeah. something a little bit bigger, and I, I'm a valuable part of this society. Like I'm, I'm serving during 9/11, so it's like, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm doing something. You know, I feel like my value has. It, that's the first time I started feeling I was valuable. Okay, so, so you never felt like any sort of intrinsic value until no, then. Not at all. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, you think about it. You you grow up every day, and you told you picked on. You told you not nothing. You told you're ugly. You you you're poor. You 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 musty because you don't have no deodorant. You know, it just <laughs> every day you grow up with this stuff, and you Kids just are it just and you then so you start believing these things around. And the first time I was told I can do some was was my fifth grade teacher. Uh, her name was. I think her name was Miss Williams. I was in a small school out of sight of elementary in East St. Louis, Illinois. And I had just got beaten up in a playground. So I go into class, and um, I'm sitting in class. I just took a test, and I'm just all bruised up, beat up. And the teachers even knew we was getting beat up. They just couldn't control it. <laughs> yeah, I mean. They- <laughs> was they going to send us home? You know, yeah. Just, so, um, They're making $30,000 a year. So she was, she was just like, Robert, you – you're going to be a great person. You, you, you know, you, 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 you can be, you can do some things. And mm-hmm. so, and so that stimulated my mind. Like, man, to this day, like I remember that conversation stands out. Like the first time I told that I can be great was a teacher, you know, even after one of my painful, one of my most painful moments in school, I was just beaten up, but that still sticks with me. Yeah. So I think it's really important that we, we tell our kids or we show them or, or do these practices that they can accomplish stuff because, this world that we live in is going to be tough. And I honestly feel like I'm failing my kids a little bit because I brought them out to this really nice mm-hmm. area where they can't, they're not going through a lot of stuff. No struggle. And it, 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 to me, it's like I want them to not struggle because I don't think everyone has to struggle to the extent I struggle. I, I think there's a better way. Yeah, better way to introduce the struggle. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, so I, yeah, I don't think we all have to struggle, but we have to be able to prove to ourselves that we can overcome something. Right, you right. Know, you know, yeah, something. I think, I think, yeah. So I, not struggle in the in the grand sense of like 
the struggle of like growing up like in mm-hmm. in that way mm-hmm. but just like just something like some sort of resistance something mm-hmm. that's difficult yep. that we have to overcome yeah, exactly. whether that be through sport yes. whether that be through um just whatever endeavor is that you know you find challenging you know what i mean that you're trying to overcome mm-hmm. that's difficult for yeah. you learning a new skill mm-hmm. starting a business mm-hmm. i feel like these things are what's necessary in exactly. life i i don't feel like a life without some sort of resistance mm-hmm. um is fulfilling no it's not it's not because you appreciate it a little bit more right when, when, when you when, when you go to the bottom you you, you feel like it's just that much sweeter you mm-hmm. know uh, even these, you know, when when these losses, like I appreciate losses now. Like, yeah, I wish I was. I wish I was this way in it when I was fighting because now I know how how much a loss can teach me. Right. How much of a lesson a loss can teach me. So just imagine if you started, if you worked hard and you appreciate your losses, then you, when you get your wins, it's going to be that much sweeter. That much better. Because you you take back and you just you you, you go back and you you reevaluate the situation. Okay, what did I learn? Mm-hmm. And as a coach now, I'm starting to really, I'm really pushing it. Like, hold on, when 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 we, me and Izzy, we we lost our last one of my fighters. Her name is Izzy Robinson. We we lost our last fight, and we learned so much. It was bigger than MMA. We learned about her, and it mm-hmm. was crazy. I was like, wow, this is deep. Yeah. This is deep right here, you know. So now, I would take that loss as an amateur. Cause now we we've learned some valuable stuff through this loss. Yeah, one hundred percent. So you appreciate that stuff, and people don't see that. People just see, okay, she lost. Yeah. People don't see all the back work, and so and and, and Kelly D'Angelo, another one of my fighters, she lost, and we learned so much from her. From and she just loss. came back and had a savage yeah, win. Yeah, savage win, but it was just like pure with domination. The, with the comeback, and we had to reevaluate again. Okay, yeah. what did we learn? What did we, did we really lose? Cause I mean that that that's just a number. That's just a stat. That's just yeah. another thing. That mm-hmm. means nothing, yeah. really. What did we actually gain from that loss? It's just temporary. I think sometimes we focus too much on the actual loss and not focus on the gains. That's very true. One hundred percent. I can def. I can think of. I was just talking about this uh, yesterday on another podcast I was recording. Man, I, it was right before. Um, I was right towards the tail end of my amateur career, and mm-hmm. I did like a little tournament, mm-hmm. and um, I actually fought Hugh Poley. Mm-hmm. And um, in my mind, I, I fucking won that fight. Mm-hmm. But the judges saw it the other way, so mm-hmm. he won that fight. But in my mind, at that time, it's like, all right, I'm gonna win this tournament, mm-hmm. and I'm going to, uh, I'm gonna go pro. Mm-hmm. But then I lost the fight. I'm like, fuck, man. Now it's gonna be like another mm-hmm. however long until I go pro. And like, you know, you, at that when you want to go pro, it's like you want to do it yesterday. Mm-hmm. And and you know, Mike, Mike is at least back then he was just like, no, dude. Like he was very, um, he was he just he just told you when you could go pro basically he's like no you're not ready you can't do it yet like he just he he kept a tight rein on that yeah so like when i lost that fight i went into like a minor depression ended mm-hmm. up like drinking for like three months just put myself just way mm-hmm. back it's like it's just like if i just would have just like learned from it and mm-hmm. got back to the gym mm-hmm. it, i mean i could have been back on the road to being pro way sooner but yeah. it's just like i completely derailed derailed myself and i made my i made a situation that wasn't really that big of a deal mm-hmm. into an even bigger deal mm-hmm. and just set myself back that much more yeah i the, the biggest thing for me out of your story is you put you put limitations on yourself by telling yourself once i win this tournament 
it's kind of you giving yourself an ultimatum. Yeah, it and really you put was. Extra pressure on yourself. Like, it was. Instead, you reframe that to I'm gonna do the best I can, mm-hmm. and I'm still fucking going pro. Yeah. Because what's the difference between pro and amateur? None really. Nothing. Nothing. And I think we put that. There's another little thing out there, exactly. pro and amateur, that we we look too much into. If you train like a pro, you will fight like a pro. Right. And that's all. That's only different. So by telling yourself you wasn't pro. You subconscious telling yourself you're not good enough. So now you go back to an amateur state yep. because you're sub- you're telling yourself that and you start feeling like an amateur. Thinking so like for an amateur. me, so for me, I never had an amateur career. Never, I never fought an amateur. I fought an exhibition fight. Never fought an amateur. It's because I knew I was like, you know what? I'm gonna give this. I'm I'm I'm. I was training with pros from the beginning. I was training like a pro. I was a pro in my mind. So I routed off first eight wins as a pro. You know. Um, and I fought some really good Muay Thai guys, and I didn't care if they hit 300 fights because I knew I was a pro. I was trained like a pro. I put in the work. Yeah. Everything else is going to take care of itself. Yeah. But then I started learning. <laughs> <laughs> and when you start learning, you start thinking. Yeah. And you have to learn how to not um, – I, I, be, I became a thinker, and that really sent me back. And be, I became a thinker because I didn't have that support anymore. So in certain sports, I feel like you need – somewhat of, of teamwork a team structure i think in mixed martial arts you need a team structure mm-hmm. you need a team structure you know you have to believe in yourself but you need that team structure also right. around you because your your opponents do contribute i mean a couple of opponents your partners do contribute to your absolutely. growth absolutely so mma people think it's an individual sport it starts with you but if you have a good team around you also you're going to be good like a good team was a good coaches not just actual partners, but good coaches, good trainers, and things. Like that. So you, you need that. You, yeah, you have to have a support system. You, MMA, you, you, there's no champion. This is I made it on my own. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if any. I can't think of any individual sport that wouldn't really have a team component to mm-hmm. it, at least behind the mm-hmm. scenes. Maybe um, I don't know. Maybe like some of those strongman mm-hmm. things. I remember I was watching a documentary and the one dude from Lithuania. Um, start. I starts with a Z. I don't mm-hmm. know. He trained yeah, by yeah, himself. Yeah, he, but other than that, I don't think there's yeah. a single individual sport that isn't there. It's all a team component. American Ninja, probably. If yeah. That is sports. <laughs> yeah, but it's like I mean, normally yeah. I mean we're tri we're tribal creatures. Like we mm. need we need we connections. Need we need to be around we people. And we need that drive and. Um, yeah, like it's important. Yeah, that 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 support is is isn't. Honestly, I don't think we should. We want that support. Yeah. I don't think we need it. I think we want the support, and it helps us. Um, I'm I'm really need to me is just a word that you sometimes don't like that word. I don't like the word because it, it, it's an anxiety word. I need I need this. I need I gotta go. I gotta go. I need to I need to go. To, I need just think about it. Think yeah. about it. I need to pay my bills. I need to pay my bills. Mm-hmm. What are you telling your brain? Oh shit! I'm going into this panic mode already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I try not to say need as much, but realistic, we want that support. It's ideal. It's ideal, and it helps us. Yeah. It helps us. It helps us with our with our growth. And and, and if you don't have that support, I think it, it, you can be a good fighter. Yeah. But are you ever going to get a gr- become a great Reach fighter? Your full potential. You know, I don't think you would, because a lot of times a, a mentor, a coach, is somebody who believes in you when you don't believe in yourself. Oh uh, yeah. And if you listen to all these champions, um. Um, even Floyd Mayweather say you think he's the greatest, but he he's had self doubt. Oh yeah. Tyron Willie, I'm pretty sure he has self doubt. And self doubt don't come from the sport. Sometimes it can it can come from outside the sport. You can be dealing with family issues that can affect your yeah. performance, or maybe a relationship with a coach. And I'm just like I'm tired of this stuff. I just don't want to do it no more. So 
you know, you when you think about all these champions, I mean, I know for a fact GSP has some self doubt. <laughs> yeah. After his last fight with Johnny Hendricks, <laughs> dude, that's why he got out the sport. He had to because yeah. he lost that fight. Yeah, he got he got some, but but think about it, he was out the sport because of it. Yeah. But um, so you, you trained with GSP, didn't you? A little bit. Yeah. I love the TriStar a little bit, but um, I learned a lot from from being up there, just the environment. But you just. Yeah, so so self doubt we need it because we need people to believe in us when we don't. And yeah. all it's gonna do is like what happens is our candle starts to go down and then that'll relight the candle a little bit. Yeah. And you gotta keep doing it. Just gotta it's, it's it's part of the game, man. It's like you'll be a fool if you like a championship mindset doesn't happen. You don't wake up thinking you're the greatest. McGregor didn't wake up thinking he had some self doubt. Come on, man. Yeah, you got to develop that. He developed that over years. Yeah. Had, in his first loss, he probably was like, oh, man, you know, probably the, the, what's it called? The doubting stuff. But that championship mindset, you don't just wake up that way. You develop yeah. that. And it, you develop it through losses, through failures. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. You got to, you gotta like, you got to just understand just having just the, the understanding that this is yeah. only temporary. No, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, how long were you in the military for until you until you got out? So I did about um, a little bit over nine years. Nine years. Then I'm in the one military. year in the reserves. Um, yeah. So I just got tired, man. Yeah. It wasn't for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, man. Thank you for your service. Thank you. But um, yeah, that um, that's a, that's a significant. I mean, a decade essentially of yeah. your life. I'm sure you learned a lot, did a lot. Um, went into fighting after that. Mm -hmm. How many professional fights did you have? I had 30, so I actually started fighting while I was in the military. In the military. Yeah, so I was I was just, man, hungry for competition. Honestly, I actually rethought, like, I just recently, I actually, and you just keep reevaluating your life when you hear stuff mm -hmm. or you learn stuff about you. And so I honestly know the reason why I started fighting. I started fighting not to prove to myself, to prove to other people I was valuable. Yeah. And I, f I fell in love with the sport. <laughs> Um, but because I wasn't doing it for myself, I think that's why uh, I that's why I didn't last as long as I think I could have last. Because I I, I I I I did too much. Because when you're trying to prove other people, I think you can overwork yourself. Yeah. And that's what happened. So I overworked myself by taking by fighting too much because I wanted to prove to people that I was a great a great fighter. Too many fights. Too many fights. Fights you shouldn't have taken. 30, 30 fights in eight years. So <sighs> that's it. And it was pro. So yeah, that's I a was lot. fighting kickboxers in, in Thailand and Muay Thai guys. So I was fighting some good guys. So you uh, – and then I had a couple of exhibition fights. So it was probably like 34 total. Yeah, total. Well, you, you don't want to turn on any opportunity you don't as want a fighter. Turn, I was just fighting. I was, Dude, I fought one time, and Jason House was my agent. Uh, at the time, Iridium Sports Agency. Okay. And I had a broken uh, rib. My rib was broken. I had a broken bone mm -hmm. in my rib. I actually had a friend who was an orthopedic surgeon send me some lidocaine, and I injected lidocaine into my rib. Oh, shit. And I fought the guy. I think his name was Seven Young. I fought a guy. Like, it was no good. I injected lidocaine. Uh, yeah. It was called lidocaine or whatever it's called. Morcaine, whatever Some it was. Some sort of steroid. So, so steroid. It was like, it was like a, yeah, just to numb the pain. Mm -hmm. It was so painful. But I was like, man, you know what? I'm taking this fight. Like, my reel was hanging. was like out. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I had that. It, it's hard to breathe. It's hard to you breathe. You can't move. Can't move. 
I injected it. I won the first round. He got me in the guillotine the second round. Yeah. So that tells you his name was Savin Young. But that's that's how bad like like it's that's crazy. Yeah, just a that's sacrifice crazy. But I want to like prove that. people. Think about it. I was doing it all to prove other people. So I outworked myself. I went doing validation, seeking validation. Now, I think I fell in love with 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 MMA. You know, uh, over time. But I think because. I was doing it to prove to other people my longevity of the sport didn't last. Yeah. You know? And it took me it took me a while to fall in love with MMA. Like, truly, I had to go through some shit. Like, uh, the process of, I have this process of falling in love. Like, love don't happen, for, in love doesn't happen overnight. overnight. The first stage is, um, I think, uh, I'm infatuated. Yeah. Then I really like the person or the sport. And then I... I'm, I love the sport, and then I fall in love with the sport. Yeah. And falling in love with the sport happens after the trauma, after you've overcame all the bullshit. Yeah. And I started falling in love with the sport actually at towards my end of my career. Okay. That's why I'm still coaching. Yeah, is that, yeah, I was gonna yeah. Say, is that what kind of drove what, me towards coaching? Yeah, that's what kind of drove me towards coaching. And now I'm in love with the sport because love, love happens. People think, I'm, oh, no, you probably really like it. You're probably infatuated. You probably love it. But being in love with it, you're going to have to go through And that's the same thing in relationship. That's saying yeah. Yeah, four go through steps, the process. it's yeah. a process. There's levels to it. And, and we get caught up in these different levels. And we're like, oh, man, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, just, I'm, 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 I really love, I'm in love with this person. You're not in love with them. You're infatuated. You're infatuated. Or you probably really like them. Or you might even love. Like, I, I, like if, if, you're, if, you're, if you love something, I think you can let it go. 100%. Now, if you're in love with something, you can't let it go. I don't think I don't yeah. think you can let things go that you're in love with. If you're truly in love with, and you think about this concept, and I thought about it, then you can you can answer this. So, like, if you're really like, if you're really, I feel like if you're really, really, truly in love with another person, are you able to cheat on that person? That brings up an interesting <laughs> <laughs> conversation all on its own because going back to how we were talking about like ownership, mm -hmm. so I, I feel like if you're in a relationship and you both are on the page that you aren't going to see other people, mm -hmm. then I, I think that's the the agreement that you guys mm -hmm. have and that you should do that. Mm -hmm. But like, for example, like I don't necessarily think that that is the only structure of a relationship. Mm. And I don't necessarily think that people who are like in like non-monogamous relationships mm. are wrong for those relationships. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That works for them. Yeah, it yeah. works for them. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like love for them is kind of taking like another level of um, not 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 possessing that person. And then just the whole idea of compersion, which is just, I think I'm using that word right, which is just you get satisfaction from your partner gaining satisfaction. Mm. So I think that if, if, if that is the agreement that you guys have with each other, that this, like, it's just us two and there's no other outside, like, there's, we're monogamous in this relationship, mm -hmm. then um, I don't think it means that you don't love them if you mm -hmm. did step out of that mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. Um, but maybe you just don't value the relationship enough. Yeah, it was. Oh, you said compersion. You get satisfaction when when your partner gets Gain sat satisfaction. So for me, I so if they're satisfied with you being monogamous, then you should probably be monogamous because it makes you happy too. But 
But that's still, but still, you're controlled. I think, in some sense, aren't you controlled by your actions? You're controlled by how your co- how your partner feels. Yeah, in a sense. Yeah, I so mean, that's, if, that's if you're in a relationship, that you're, I think, I think you're responsible for them to a degree. Yeah, it becomes a little bit more emotional, emotionally connected to them. For sure. So yeah, I have, I have, I have different, I have different perspectives. Yeah, I'm what are your thoughts? It's just, it's just such an interesting. I read this book called uh, called Sex at Dawn mm-hmm. by Dr. Christopher Ryan, and it talks a lot about how um, humans maybe not necessarily are meant to be monogamous. And if you just look at just humans throughout our lifestyle, like through our life, like none of us are really monogamous. Like I haven't been with only one person my entire life. We're like mammals. We're like t- lions, you know. Yeah, <laughs> well, they, they, they talk a lot about uh, uh, bonobo mm-hmm. um, chimps mm-hmm. and um, how they're actually a very peaceful mm-hmm. um Species of chimp. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm using those words mm-hmm. right. Spe- is that a species of chimp? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Either way. And um, but yeah, just how I, f- how a lot of like this whole like monogamy thing is just kind of culturally impressed. I mean, we live in a very Puritan Christian society. So I mean, you go in other parts of the world, and they don't shame sexuality mm-hmm. the same way that we shame sexuality here. The thing about it for me is. We are so intelligent that it becomes confusing when we add extra people into our life. Yeah. And it can distract us. If we want clarity, then we can't have so many different people in our castle with so many different values because then it will block our clarity. So that's where I see it. Like, so... Mm -hmm. If I had four wives, then I have four different personalities that I had to cater to. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do so that. So if I had two wives, I have two personalities that I had to cater, that I had to try to. Mm-hmm. So it, then it becomes difficult to manage my own self because I'm trying to manage, I'm trying to help them. So I think, I think that's where our, our IQ is so much higher than any other species that yeah. it's not even healthy for us mm-hmm. to have multiple relationships because yeah. it, it becomes more of a. You know, it, 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 we start overthinking things, and this person needs this, this person needs this, and this person needs, this, and it just becomes too much. So I think it could be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So that's one of my things. And for me, yeah, it just for me, it just it just becomes confusing. It just mm-hmm. becomes confusing. So I understand, but like, for one, this is the only thing I feel like you should be content with. If you found a person, I feel like you should be content with one person. Yeah. Because, you know, a partnership is not really a partnership. It's like you two. On two separate, you're, you're on two separate journeys, but at the end you're gonna connect. You know your yeah. high level goals are connecting. Yeah. Like, so me and my wife, we believe in faith, family, and our focus. So we we connect on that. We disagree on like food and all that. So we're not a partnership. Doesn't mean like this person needs to wants to go there. I need to go. No, mm, it doesn't have to be one. It's, it's, it's separate journeys. But then yeah. if you add other people in there, then it's all these separate journeys, and then it becomes confusing. See, so that's where it, it becomes more not a partnership, but a uh, corporation <laughs> and not a not a not a partnership becomes a corporation that's what it becomes mm-hmm. confusing because you got all these different ideas and stuff going through your head and i think we need and that that's when life becomes it becomes too exciting yeah. and i think we need to be bored a little bit to become creative because everything happens when you're meditating and you're bored right yeah you gotta that, have that that, still that space. peace 
All right, and we are back. Sorry, guys, my batteries died. This is the second time this has happened to me. I just need to put in a fresh pair of batteries every time. I thought it had this this battery thing has three bars on it. It had two bars when we started, so either way. I'm sorry. Do you remember where, where your thought was in the middle of that one? We were talking about relationships and how you felt like um, we need that um, kind of that, that – uh, uh, like that boredom, that boredom in our life to, for okay. the creativity. The, yeah, the, the meditation. And even you do it, and I'm pretty sure you're a meditator, right? Yeah, you know, I try to I try to do some sort of like meditation practice. I want to start doing like journaling, mm. um, and then just having like a daily like gratitude practice, um, which is why I was asking you about that. Um, but yeah, just uh, even if it's just like not just like sitting still and meditating, because some people have tr trouble with that. But like I started working with the steel mace mm. and trying to do more like what's called like steel mace flow, mm. which is like form like a like a movement med like mm. a moving meditation. Mm -hmm. um, like people like to do like tai chi and different things. Mm -hmm. So just some sort of like meditation practice is just good. I so think to have that stillness. Exactly. It is not really about the physical, because I think you should still be doing physical activity. It's about the mind. Right. So you don't want your mind to be switching from task to task or activity to activity from activity because we have these neuron switches in our mind. When we switch, our mind's all busy. So now if I'm here and I'm just bored, I'm relaxing, my mind's just real chill. Right. I'm not thinking about anything, and I come up with these really good ideas. Yeah. Even I can be listening to, like, a podcast, but my mind's not working. I'm just listening. I'm just listening. I'm taking in information. Mm -hmm. And I can actually, that's to me, that's boredom. Yeah. It's boredom because I'm not. I'm Your not, mind is still. My mind is still. It's just, I'm just taking in the information. I'm not really processing. And then at the end of the podcast, I'll go, oh, wow. And I'll take, I'll take mental notes and I'll come up with something. So I think, I don't, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think everybody meditates in, in different forms. It can be in a physical activity. When I'm, when I'm thinking about like thinking about, I got to do this or I have work to do or, or I got to clean the kids or I'm doing things that, that takes energy, yeah. you know, to, to be able to do. So those types of activities. But I, I think we need boredom. We need time to ourselves and, and yeah. things like that. And with the relationship, when you start adding that many people, and that's why, uh, you know, I don't really tr truly think there's a true thing of, of, of a truly introvert or truly extrovert because I think we all need somewhat of that yeah you know, in, that some in some in some you need a balance right need a balance. it's just a little bit you know what i mean you need a little taste of it so uh that's why um it, it can be difficult like adding all those people into your life even as leaders mm -hmm. like if you're a school teacher you're around all those kids all the time you need space to yourself yeah so you can be the social most socialist person in the world but think about it. these school teachers why do you think they drink go home and drink a lot because they just like exhausted mentally yeah it's like i'm gonna have a drink yeah you know? yeah so even just you can be super extroverted but you still need time to yourself so mm -hmm. that's that boredom that we need that um and that, and when you add that many people into your life all the time i don't think you get that boredom so when it comes to relationships yeah yeah and and for the record like i like i am definitely like monogamous but <laughs> just like it's just a very interesting concept to me just to, to think about that and just mm -hmm. to kind of open up my mind mm -hmm. to just the way other people live and just the way things like it's, it's, just, it's just the idea that there's not just like there's a way, but it may not be the way the or way. the only exactly. way. You know what I mean? So I just try to keep my mind open. But yeah, I, I 100 percent. I mean, I, you can't spread yourself too thin. I had a friend who, 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 who went went that route and I gave him some advice. And I said, it's not going to work. And it didn't work. 
not saying I'm always right, but I just knew his particular situation. Yeah. And uh, it didn't work. And it's not, it's just, you can see some, like, sometimes we can see certain criteria. Yeah. You know? And you can see the other other person, and, and, and they don't really want it. They're only doing it because you want it. Yeah. You know? So I think if you really, really want it to work, you both have to really want it. Absolutely. I think it's important to, for something like that to actually mm. work, like, you really have to know who you are. Mm. Like, for me, having gone through, like, so I went through, you know, my divorce, mm. and, like, I did date a little bit, but I find, I actually got to a point where it's like, I don't want to date anybody. Mm. I just want to be alone. Mm. And, like, I just took a period to where it was just, I just focused on me. And then, you know, you just reach a point to where it's like, I'm not lonely. I'm mm. actually really content being by myself. Mm. But, you know, then you then you do meet somebody and this like, all right, well, you know, there are uh, we do have like a connection and I want this person here. I don't need this person mm. here. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like exactly. like you have to understand who you are first mm. until like before you can actually be in like a functional relationship. But think about that. You, you probably had some trauma in that past. Relationship. You have to go and deal with that. You have to sit still. Yeah. And deal with that. trauma. And think about it. Look at like this. The Tarzan effect. Right. You go from relationship. You go from. One vine to swing to the next vine yep. to the next vine. You never take time and land on just your feet. Settle, just, just sit down. Just get off the vine and just land on the ground. Yeah. So you took that time, and that's what the building process. That's where you get better because you go reflect, and then you become a better person. Now you look this because relationships, these relationships only got you getting you ready for your ultimate last relationship. That's, that's mm-hmm. a lesson. My marriage got me ready for my next relationship. My next relationship got me ready for this relationship. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, so you never get the time just to settle. So you took that time off and said, you know what? I'm not swinging from vine to vine. Yeah. I'm fucking be on ground. Yeah. I put my damn feet firmly on ground. And a lot of people don't do that because they need. That's that need. Mm-hmm. I need somebody. Yeah. I need somebody to validate that I am valuable and yeah and i see it so much with young women man so much with young women uh all the time and it's just it's so and and, and honestly i think it stimulates from uh a lot of it stimulates from uh missing fathers missing fatherly figures yeah and different things like that because i think a woman a woman needs that male compassion and if they don't have it from a father they're gonna go out they're gonna seek it and they're gonna find it yeah I, we we definitely um as humans have a tendency to to seek what we what we don't like oh, what yeah. we're missing growing oh, yeah. up like oh, we'll fucking go look for we'll, it we'll get it we'll get it and we might not even know we're looking for it yep because we we program it in our mind to be just normal for us to go and just go from relationship to relationship mm-hmm. but you honestly man you never be successful in anything if you don't take the time and work on you yeah. yeah. I mean, people's like, I, I want to make a million dollars. I go read a business book. No, you go and you understand about you. Mm-hmm. You understand your habits, your tendencies, and you learn how to be more, organiz- uh, you know, more organized, learn how to communicate better, learn how to, you know, not procrastinate. You understand you. Once you once you start figuring out you, all the other stuff is going to be easy. You can figure out how to pick up a book and all that, you know, run a business. But a lot of people don't know and say, oh, I got these bad tendencies, or I got these bad tendencies, and I got these bad tendencies. They haven't been aware of what's good, what's bad, you know, what they can work on. So, um, And that's that's the moment you took and the moment I took, in a sense, too. I took a short little break, um, and, and I worked on myself. You know, I just said, you know, I didn't. I can't do this anymore. I need to be some some long time. Because mm-hmm. you, you, you have to be, you have to learn to be independent before you go in a relationship 
Because if you can't be if you can't be independent, then you're gonna be dependent on other person. Right. And people don't understand that. People don't understand that. Like I can't go into a relationship dependent on this person. This if I die today, my wife's gonna be okay. You know. Yeah. That's exactly how we want it to be. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's why you got to put that work in to focus on you. You do. Lay in that do. groundwork. You build yourself. And a lot of men, I see a lot of men, they control women like they don't want women to go out and do the thing. Right. <laughs> exactly. And I watch it. I'm like, nah, she's just going to be a stay-at-home wife. She's not going to do this. She's not going to do this. And it's and women let men do that. And then they get a divorce, and you're fighting for alimony, child support, and you don't have anything. Yep. Because you sacrifice your needs to be a stay-at-home mom. Yep. Well, you should have been working on yourself, putting yourself mm-hmm. in a position. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a stay-at-home mom. No. But if you got you, – you, you, what, what's what's your game plan? What's your plan A? Because stay-at-home mom's not going to make you no money if you break, if you get a divorce. So right. what's what's your game plan, you know? you know, not You're not preparing for the worst, but you're just getting yourself ready for any moment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you got to take that time and, uh, and, and work on you yeah. and work on you for sure. Well, man, we got to go to uh, to jujitsu here pretty soon. Yeah. Kids jujitsu. Um, I help coach that. Your kids are in that. Um, I feel like there's a lot more to talk about, but um, this is a great conversation. So, how can folks get a hold of you? Um, plug all the socials. You have a book. Yeah. We didn't get. To, I wanted to get to that. Sorry, yeah. but I will definitely. I'll have to have you back on the show no, and talk about cool, that cool. again. So, um, uh, Robert the Speaker dot com is my website i actually started a new um coaching business uh, the greatness academy the, the greatness academy dot com um i'm on instagram at uh robert the speaker no robert washington 83 on instagram linkedin robert washington um what else i have a vacation business also book me vacation so i'm, I'm big in to travel and exploring and yeah. becoming because that really opens us up also and it travels like, you just to open your whole mindset it opens your minds up man it just i want my kids to see like these third world countries so they can understand like how blessed they are yeah kids people. are sponges it's more important mm-hmm. for them to travel when exactly. they're young so i have a, a traveling you can if you ever need travel needs hit me up on that but yeah i'm i'm, I'm all over social media i'm yeah. trying to i'm trying to really start building and being more consistent with my social media mm-hmm. Uh, because I, we all feel like we have a message to put out there. Um, so the only way you're going to put it out there if you consistently, you know, inspiring people and, yeah. and getting them to take action. And you have an amazing message, man. Um, you've been through a lot. You've done a lot. You could, you're you still continuing to grow. I think it's it's super important, the work that you're doing. And Thanks, I man. think it's it's awesome that you're doing it. Um, I'll have links to all of this mm-hmm. um, in the show notes so people can find you and connect with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, oh, and your book. P- tell people about your book. So I do have a book. Um, it's uh, No one's, um, No One Owes You an Effing Thing. And it's pretty much my life story. But And it all comes to self-belief. Like, uh, pretty much the, the book is talking about you know, how I went through the things I went through in my life. And I, at the end of the book, I have these takeaways where you can take away and you put into you, what how it can relate to you. But it comes back to we are responsible for our own lives at yeah. the end of the day. No politician, no President Trump. My mom's not responsible for my life. You are. And once you own that and you realize that society owes you nothing, nothing, mm-hmm. you know, we owe it to ourselves to be great people, you know. And I think that 
that's where I'm at in my life. That once I figured my uncle told me that Robert, I I was I was coming home, I was complaining about my day. He's like Robert, no one owes you a damn thing. It's like yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's I wrote I wrote my I wrote my first book and I I kind of rushed it, but I was like you know I just got to get it out there. You know, something's better than nothing. You know, so it's not gonna be perfect. It's not gonna be perfect. And but you learn. You learn now. I know how to write a book. Right. Now I know how to. My next book is gonna it's gonna be thirty times better. Mm-hmm. You know. And my next one's probably going to be a New York bestseller, you know? Absolutely. (laughs) No probably to it. Yeah. It's going to be. Yeah. (laughs) Good shit, man. Well, we'll, uh, I have links to all this stuff. And, uh, hey, man, I really appreciate you taking the time this morning. Thanks, Adam. All right, buddy. Peace. Uh, Sorry, guys. My batteries died. I'll do better in the future. You deserve better. I apologize. I checked it on my recorder. The battery icon has three bars. I saw two when we started. I was like, all right, cool, man. We got enough. I was wrong. It's my mistake. So not going to happen again, guys. All right. Uh, Man, that wasn't a great conversation. Rob is a fascinating guy. I uh, 100% can't wait to have him back on the show again will definitely happen back and probably talk about a whole different conversation, a whole different topic. Um, yeah, it's going to be great. And um, I want to address something because I'm just sitting here thinking about it. And, you know, that conversation uh, towards the end there, you know, talking about relationships. And I don't know if – I fully expressed something, and I would like to because, you know, I, I, I don't know. Fuck it. You know, it's my show. So um, I would first maybe some background on me because uh, I, don't, I don't think I've ever shared this, or maybe I have. I don't know. So, you know, I've been divorced. I've gone through a divorce. I got married at 21 years of age and had two kids, had my son whenever I was 20 years old, and my daughter two years later at 22. And uh, so I've, I've walked this particular path of getting married and having kids and going to college and getting your degree and working in a corporate job. And I've done all that shit. And I can tell you from my experience, it's for the fucking birds. Uh, you know, man, growing up, I was always just kind of taught, like, that's what you did. That's the path that you take. And that's how you, you know, that's where you're working towards for, you know, that's success. So you work 30, 30 40 years and you have your 401k and uh, then you get to retire and do nothing. That all sounds fucking miserable, really. And having actually tried that, I can tell you it's, it's a farce. That's not how shit is. And that's... It's it's a way for sure, but it's not the way. It's not the way, and it's not the way for me. And, um, you know, you have to go through life to learn that shit sometimes, um, but it does help to get that message early. <laughs> so I say all that because, you know, we are talking a lot about relationships there at the end, and um, to be honest, you know, going through a divorce – uh, at least going for me, especially anyway, you know, in my case or for me, it was very traumatic. I uh, I suffered from what I like to call boy meets world syndrome. You know that high school sweetheart shit, where you uh, you think that's your uh, your soulmate and that's who you're gonna be with forever. You know the person you're gonna go through this uh, 
this thing called life with. And then, you know, you just quickly realize that, you know, shit, that's not going to happen. And your whole kind of ideas and, and belief structure just kind of falls apart in a way because you believe that this how is how things should be and it didn't turn out that way. So it really opened my mind um, to a lot of things. And, I, you know, looking back on it, I'm actually extremely grateful. I have so much gratitude for that. Um, it was pr- by far one of my greatest teachers you know through that I've learned who I am and what I want in life and what truly makes me happy and um, it's just a part of the journey you know a part of the process but I mean you look back on it's like fuck man you know 21 years old like your you know your frontal cortex isn't even fully developed yet like there's no possible way for you to really know who you are Um, but you know I was on an an accelerated path. I was like, I got this shit. You know, that ego. No, bro, bro, bro. Chill. Just chill. I got this. I got this. Go ahead. Go ahead and just fuck everything that you want. Because, hey, hey, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We'll deal with it later. Oh, God, hormones. You sons of bitches. So, hey, man, you just, you just... You don't know who you are. You can't think things through. And you're just like, oh, yeah, this is it, man. This is it. And, uh, you know, you fucking have to live with, uh, you know, every choice has a consequence. And you just have to deal with with uh, those things. So for me, a part of those consequences happened to be was going through a uh, a very at the time traumatic experience and um on the other side of that is a lot of gratitude and i have a very open mind on things now which i uh i value immensely so uh in the podcast you know i did mention um a book by dr christopher ryan um, called sex at dawn which does it uh, among other things it talks about a, a lot of other things but um, it, it does talk about um, whether or not humans are meant to be monogamous. And, you know, Rob did pose the question to me, uh, you know, can you, uh, you know, if you love someone, can you cheat on them? And, you know, I was thinking about it, and I don't think I expressed it well in that moment. So I wanted to come back and address that because I think it is important to address uh, because, you know, you know, I honestly th- well, one, let me say that uh, I do have a girlfriend, and she's awesome, and I wouldn't cheat on her. And without her and her support, I mean, I wouldn't be able to do a lot of this stuff. And, um, and uh, you know, the, the relationships that we have are are valuable and we should cherish those things and we should nurture those things and I think that I think that you can love somebody and cheat on them because I don't believe that having a sexual attraction to another person um, is a matter of love or not and I don't believe that love is you know I don't I don't believe that love that's you know, love is exclusive to sex or sex is exclusive to love necessarily. And 
Um, I don't think I don't think one takes away from the other. So that's just kind of something I've kind of developed just in as I've just kind of thought and been more open to it. Now, with that said, I don't believe that you would cheat on somebody you love because, I, or not that just somebody, someone that you love, but I don't think you would cheat on your spouse. Um, hopefully, you love them, but I don't think you do cheat on them, not because you love them, but because you respect them and, and, you value that relationship and you trust and they trust you so like you re, you know you have respect for them and you value having this connection and and this connection is um if there's an agreed upon uh you know if there's if, if it's agreed that it's monogamous then you should value that and there needs to be trust so you have to honor that so because they trust you and you respect them and you care about them, like that should be that should be why you do it. So I I mean, like I mean you care about, uh, yeah yeah. So that that should be the reason why. So I think you can remove the love aspect and you just you just say that you know, I respect them and I value this relationship and and their trust, and that's why you don't you don't uh betray that and you don't uh break that that agreement you don't cheat on them you know what i mean you don't have other partners so if if that's your thing then you can do it but that's i mean i i just i was just really thinking about that and i wanted to share that so i think it's i think it's important um relationships are a funny thing and uh by no means am I a fucking expert or do I have things figured out. But um, I try to keep an open mind. I'm always trying to learn. So um, maybe I just want to present you with that. Or, yeah, that little perspective there, huh? 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 All right, guys. So for all of your CBD needs, go check out jombosuperfoods.com. Use the link in my notes. They're fucking awesome. And you help support the podcast, and I cannot thank you enough. We are going to close this one out with a song that was sent in to me by an artist that goes by Neon Sevens. Uh, this song is called Seventh Seal. <laughs>
plotting I could smell that you was rotten You should know I do this often I've been nailing down these coffins Buried while you're still awake With every lie you dug your grave And seven sealers sealed your fate Stab my back, your last mistake Killing demons like I'm Constantine Constantly in conflict with my enemies Cashly cast recounts as a one don't need your seed The plague of the fate never ceases Mistaking my kindness for weakness My blood is too hot for you so find a new host to feed your insatiable need to appease your diseases. You're dead to me. And I don't speak with the deceased. The deeper the knife in my back, the tighter the noose on your neck. Why do you check you can't cash? And karma has come to collapse. 